Welcome to Listen by Jean Ginsberg. This audio experience and podcast is all about social media, digital marketing, entrepreneurship, and interviews with top entrepreneurs in the digital and social space. I'm your host, Jean Ginsberg, digital marketing expert, number one best-selling author, and award-winning entrepreneur. I will be sharing with you strategies, tips, and tactics on how to grow your business and your social media following. Thanks for listening. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode. Excited today, we have a special guest, Ray Carey, someone I met through YPO, the Young Presidents Organization that I've been a part of for a couple of years, but Ray has been a part of for quite a while, 12 years, and maybe could share a little bit more about that as well during this episode. But first question I always like to ask our guests is tell us about your background, you know, set the stage for us. Where did you come from and how'd you get here? <laughs> Well, guess background. There's a lot of ways to go with that, but I would say I've always been super goal oriented. Like if there's not a scoreboard, I don't think I'd ever get out of bed. So I kind of need to know what are the rules of the game? How do you post a win? And so whether that was athletics growing up, you know, I was an athlete in college. That was really important to me. You know, I was an investor and that one was pretty clear. You buy low and you sell high, whether you're in private equity, venture capital, you know, that works across all investment classes. And then I transitioned into becoming a CEO working for private equity backed companies. I started with making an investment that was troubled. And I said, well, I got us into this. I'm going to get us out of that. And I moved across the country from California to North Carolina, where I raised my kids. They're both in college now. They grew up here in Raleigh. And now I've made a sort of career shift, a CEO three times for three different private equity-backed portfolio companies and three different firms. It all went well. The last one went well enough that I'm joining the firm that that backed me. And my next adventure is, have I humbly learned enough that now maybe I could uh, coach? So I'm going to run the operations team for a private equity fund that's got 50 or 60 portfolio companies and try to take some of those processes that have worked for small software companies, you know, as my wife says, she's from the South, fixing to be big software companies and see if those processes can help them. Great. Well, thanks. Yeah. Thank you for that intro. A lot to unpack there. Maybe you could share a little bit more about the companies that you started. You know, what do they do? What's the problem that you were looking to solve? Yeah. So I have the utmost respect for people that start companies. I never have. I need two sticks to rub together to create fire. The people that just say, I have no sticks and I'm going to create fire. I'm like, holy smoke. So I've always usually come in, or I have come in these three times, post-product market fit, and then tried to grow company. The first one was really tech-enabled service company that was helping rural broadband providers that were te telephone providers get into the internet. And so this was really bringing out, at first, uh, DSL, then fiber optics to the really rural parts of, of America. There's a company called Neonova, spun out of Nortel Networks and sold to actually a co-op, which is super cool. There's lots of ways to organize your company, but then I worked for the National Rural Telephone Co-op. I then worked for a company that was really a CRM company, but for specialty consumer affairs. Consumer affairs, think of somewhere where you have a lot of consumers, but you don't have an account. So our customers were things like McDonald's and Estee Lauder. And uh, we were looking at, and it's using a lot more AI today. It was a company called Astute. It's now called Amplify. We were looking at all of the customer sort of complaint data. There's really consumer affairs. It's most people mostly called a complaint. 
or tweet to complain? And then what can you do to improve your operations or improve your product development? If everybody's asking the ask Ford bot for yellow Mustangs, well, maybe they should build a yellow Mustang. And so, and then the last business was in communication compliance. A fellow named Neil invented this sort of concept. Everyone started communicating over social media, but certain regulated industries, certainly the government, needs to be on the record. And unlike an email or unlike a phone call with a chain of custody is very, very clear. In social media, the chain of custody, it's sitting on Facebook or I guess X, X is, that's hard to say, X is servers now. And when they delete it, it's gone. Well, if you're a government official who has tweeted something out on the permanent record, you have to produce it under a FOIA request, you're hosed. So he invented a company called Archive Social that did just that, Archive Social. And I came in to run that. We bought a company that did freedom of information requests. We bought a company that would scan both mostly websites, but then increasingly mobile for compliance with the American Disabilities Act. Nobody would build a government center without a wheelchair ramp, but people build websites all the time that can't be discovered by people with cognitive disabilities. So essentially, as government moved online and into social, there were massive gaps. And we built a really big company here in Durham, North Carolina, helping government officials solve those technology gaps as they moved online, which they did in droves during COVID. Hmm. It's quite a wealth of, of information when it comes, or I guess wealth of different industries, right? I mean, it sounds like communication. Yeah, at the end of the day, running a software company and trying to build an enterprise of value and dealing with people, there's a lot of commonalities, particularly now that you know, your software is generally in the cloud. The development environments are somewhat similar. The economic model that you're trying to produce around, you know, ACV growth and churn and net retention and the metrics, they're really the same. What's different is the domain and the sort of the customer set. But a lot of the business processes of how you grow these, you know, one in the telco, one in consumer packaged goods, one in the government vertical, those are the things I learned each time. But I carried the kind of the business process around how you build an enterprise of value, how you recruit and retain and respect the people you work with. That's the same whether you're selling to Ford Motor Company or, you know, just just about anybody else. Right. That sounds like there's a lot of similarities, although, I mean, ever you know, the different, I guess, sectors would be in the customers, right? That, the, the messaging that you're putting out there and how yep. you're trying to get them to adopt, right? The software is going to be all of the, that's the, that's, I guess, the differentiator, right? Between all of these companies is that, yes, cloud is the same, you know, software is conceptually the same, but then how do you market to these different groups that, that might have different needs, right? Like, I necessarily wouldn't need like, you know, archive social, right? Because I'm not a government agency. But so marketing to government agencies is going to be different than marketing to like Estee Lauder or McDonald's, right? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. no doubt. I think the uh, really fine tuning your go to market strategy. I never ran sales and marketing. It's, It's kind of commercial operations, I would call it. And again, I'm a big believer just in math. And the math is the same in all of those end markets. How many dollars are we going to do to produce a lead? How does that lead convert? You know, the basic economics and the go-to-market math. And if you set up the right structure and you create repeatability and you measure, then you can get better. So you might be measuring different things. And, you know, I got to work with a ton of great people. So I could hire people that really knew how to market to that end market or really knew how to sell And what I tried to do was create processes so that we could get better 
every month. I remember uh, when my son was, he got all bummed out because he got the like the Little League most most improved and he wanted most valuable. And I, his name is Edward. I said, Edward, you know, the secret is if eventually if you're most improved, eventually you're the best in the world. Now, he wasn't a great baseball player, may have taken him till he was 130 years old. But I think you get the, the theory is if you're improving every month, I'm a huge like then that's what it's about, you know, less than the absolute results. Right. Absolutely. And then so now you're transitioning, you transition out the business. That's yeah, we so sold the business to, uh, we sold the business. It was a, a great, great deal because we were kind of doing compliance for government and social media. We sold it to the largest builder of websites for government, a company called Civic Plus. And I worked there for a little while and, and then rolled off of that company. And we'll be starting, uh, you know, on the uh, investment side, but in operations, the investment side, really just trying to kind of help everyone across the portfolio and sort of, you know, humbly tell them what I've learned and and see if uh, some of the scars that I've had can can be amortized across a a wider set of companies than than just my own. So why the change? You know, you've been in software your whole life and obviously you've had some PE backing or whatnot, but why the change from running and, you know, running the actual company to then go into the to the funding side. Yeah, well some of this is it's really I would say less the funding and more the sort of partner in operations cuz it's the beginning of a relationship when the funding happens but then hopefully you're finding a funder that can give you some bespoke advice to help accelerate the outcome that you couldn't get without them. And so the goal of every funder is to be more than just money. And uh, I would hope <laughs> that we are. And, but, you know, in that process, I had, I realized when I joined the third company, my day one presentation was like 75% the same going from a company in Ohio to a company in North Carolina, going from CPG to government, because it was about metrics and people and responsibility and business operations. And I was like, man, maybe some of these things, and I say this with sort of humility, that like, I think I've figured a few things out that can work for a tiny segment, mid-market software companies. Like that's, that's where I had my success. And I think there's a lot of founders that are doing something for the first time. And I know each one of my outcomes was scaled much, much, you know, much, much larger than the last, a multiple of the last. And, uh, you know, I thought, man, I could go run a, you know, a couple billion dollar company, or I can stick to my knitting where we're trying to take companies from 100 to 500. I know the process and, you know, it feels good to help people out. And I think I got something to offer, you know, offer folks. And uh, there's a ready-made group to work with because, you know, this fund's got 50 great portfolio companies, but we think we can make them even better. Right. Absolutely. And uh, what do you think is the skill set that you're bringing from did directly for the organizations to the P firm. That's a tough one. I don't know. I remember when I my first CEO job, I had no idea what I was doing. I was coming for an investor and, uh, you know, one of the board members said, Ray, I think you'll be good at this. I said, I have no idea. His name was Matthew. He said, Matthew, I have no idea what I'm doing. And he's like, but you just care more about this than anybody else. So one is a duty of care. Like I just real outcomes oriented. I am bringing some business process sort of accountability metrics. I certainly have kind of the processes that I've developed over time, but I think most of it is just a degree of sort of accountability and just a force of pushing. I'm a big believer, like anything you can do in five days, you can do in three. If you just push, I've had three businesses that 
not by design, but from the day I started to the day we exited, all have been great exited and all of them have taken three years. And most people tell you it takes five, seven years or whatever post product market fit. I think you can do it faster. So I'm just going to bring like a, a degree of hustle <laughs> and uh, <laughs> kind of hustle and experience and, you know, partner with, uh, you know, these management teams with humility and, you know, hope we can do what they would probably do, but a little bigger and a little faster. Right. Yes. How do you accelerate that growth instead of taking five years, you know, three years? And as you're entering this new space, you know, going from working for a software company to the PE side, what do you think is the biggest challenge right now? Do you think it's the markets? Do you think it's the economy? Well, there's definitely a challenge right now. So if you look at when I say I'm specifically talking about technology private equity, because, you know, it's a huge and and a lot of technology private equity has been fueled by a change in the financial system where banks and specialty funds un understood that deferred revenue, essentially your backlog, if you're recurring revenue software, is an asset. You know, on your books, it's a liability. You've been paid. You have to deliver the asset. I'm sure you understand that. But that recurring nature is something you can borrow against. And so the fuel in that there's many, many private equity funds, part of that was debt fueled. And that debt is less available and it's somewhat responsible for a contraction in the valuations. So if you look last year, there were very few private equity tech deals done. There were some, when the public market cracked, you had some go, some very large go privates, but by and large, there was less funding. It seems like that settling where, you know, buyers and sellers are finding a new valuation paradigm and it's not what it was a year and a half ago. Uh, I would say when I was a banker way back out of college, my uh, boss used to say, uncertainty is the enemy of capital markets. So mm -hmm. you can do business in a good market or in a bad market, but not in a changing market. And I think we've settled into a slightly less robust valuation environment that people can reset and get back and, and, and start moving. But it is going to be less debt fueled than the last private equity tech cycle. So is the market changing or is it changed? And now we're just kind of going through that trough out of the trough. <laughs> I think it's changing, but I think it's we're starting to, you know, pick back up. I think it's starting okay. to pick back up. I think sellers and buyers are starting to take in that that valuation reset. Right. And the the P firm, is it mostly technology software companies? Is that hundred percent mid-market okay. technology software and you know, internet, consumer internet. Just do what do what we do. Yeah. Right. And with the you said 50, 50 or so portfolio companies. How is AI changing those companies now? Yeah. So right now there, there's not a portfolio company that is an AI company. I would say many of these are what I call applied technology companies. So I would say archive social or any of these, which were, you know, we weren't inventing uh, kind of new, new code. If you, we were doing new code, but not new ways of doing things. We were using technology to solve business problems right? Sort of fundamentally. And so I think all of the companies have to look at using, and I'll call machine learning and AI, because, you know, it's a super wide sort of category to improve your business process. So in my mind, I at least see it like the cloud adoption. Some of the early companies that we're in did the transition from, you know, on-prem software to self-hosted to actual public cloud. And that radically changed software development. So every software company runs fundamentally different than it did 15, 20 years ago because of Amazon and Google and Azure. And if you didn't make that switch, 
you got your head handed to you, right? And it took a while. Though. There's still companies out there with like half of their revenue still on-prem and it's still, and I think for me, AI is that same way. So if you're not using machine learning and AI to improve your product better, I was just on the phone with one of the portfolio companies and they were talking about churn. And I said, well, like you don't have to guess why customers churn. Go and put it into a machine learning model, look at the attributes and find out did the customers churn because they have a similar geography, similar end market? Maybe they were all sold by Joey and Joey doesn't know how to sell the product. Like you don't have to figure out the attributes. Machine learning, if you give it all the attributes, you give it all the churned customers, it will tell you those correlations. So I think people that aren't using uh, at least machine learning to get much better conclusions than a human can get uh, in their business are going to be losing. So everybody's got to use it as a tool, not just in their technology stack and code base and their product, but in their business operations to do predictive modeling or to understand their business better. And so that's one thing that's happening across, you know, I, I think it has to happen all companies, real estate companies and everything, but it's certainly happening within tech companies to improve operations and to find information that was very, very difficult or unavailable, you know, maybe you had like a business analytics team and a you know, a ton of tablet, like all kinds of stuff in a giant company. You didn't have that in a 50 to 75 person software company. That's now available in the same way. I think the cloud became available to, you know, four people in a garage and you're like, yeah, I can scale. I can support anybody in the world, you know. And so I think it's that kind of invention. There are certainly AI companies that are developing new um, new business models. That's not something that I've seen that I've been really associated yet. So, yeah, it's changing so much. Whereas before, yes, Dev, of course, there's some AI and Azure and AWS that's definitely, or I guess machine learning, and then I think analytics, right? Data, business intelligence, analytics. But I think that's also transcending across like marketing, like coming from a marketing background, digital marketing agent, one of our companies is a digital marketing agency. You know, we are we are starting to see that as well, where AI is now transcending across that industry as well. Because you know, it's, it's not a regulated industry, right? So it's pretty easy to make changes to how, you know, using even ChatGPT to create blogs or landing page copy. You know, right now it's very easy to do that, right? I, this is just the tip of the iceberg, right? I think that there's going to be a lot more that's going to be happening over the next couple of years when it comes to, you know, AI and machine learning, you know, marketing, marketing operations. How do we, how, how are companies going to be more productive, let's say, on the, on the marketing side? But I think that's also going to transcend across to other parts of business, you know, parts of the business as well, outside of just, you know, legal is an example, right? I've had somebody also for YPO, who do contracts, right? And so they have a software company that does like contracts for contract management, right? So how do you organize and keep all your contracts in one place, right? But I also think that I've heard of companies out there that are doing legal contracts, you know, in the sense like you don't even need a contract attorney to create a, like a contract, right? Like yeah. this is all could be done easily with ChatGPT or some other uh, similar platform. So I think there's going to be a, a lot of a lot of disruption. Uh, yeah, very, very. Yeah, I think every business process you have to say if it's repetitive. If it's repetitive, you know, can I, you know, can I use some type of AI to automate and accelerate this process? And you know, it's funny. I have some of my sort of tech friends here, and the argument we have around AI is 
is it like mobile or is it like the cloud? Because the cloud radically redefined things. There were a few new big cloud businesses that we've already named, but they re they changed how you ran companies. Mobile changed like how people live and radically changed whole new applications. This concept of mobile. I'm right now seeing kind of AI. I see it in my world. It's kind of like the cloud. It's a thing to be used to accelerate and to automate the things you already do. Um, I think some of the, I call them the big brains are thinking about how is it like mobile where you're doing stuff you never did before? I'd say that's that's above my IQ grade, honestly. And uh, I'm just happy to be a fan and see what, you know, what comes out over the top 10 or 15 years. And when they invent it, I'll figure out how to do it, you know, faster and sell it to somebody. Yeah. It's very excited about the near future of this whole thing because I think there's going to be a lot of, Disruption, a lot of changes, I think for the good, you know, more productivity. And then uh, the last question I'd like to ask our guests is, uh, what is your prediction for the future? And that's a very loaded question. It could go either way. It could be specifically in your industry and software. It could be, you know, self-driving cars, terraforming Mars, um, AI, robots taking over. <laughs> yeah, uh, I am kind of a meat and potatoes blocking and tackling, you know, sort of person. So I, uh, I really see kind of, um, in many ways, more of the same, which in my mind, we've been on this transition in technology where uh, everyday users and business people can create technology, right? It used to be very, very difficult to solve any problem with technology, and it's become increasingly more accessible to more people. And I, I that's one of the things that I like about ChatGPT is this esoteric concept of AI, you know, I'll admit it, I needed to help my daughter with a, you know, a paper and we got a little chat GPT go, right? So the accessibility of very advanced technology, I think that drumbeat keeps happening where eventually we can all be technologists. You can envision something that's going to be faster or better or reinvent and a small group of people can get together, and, you know, breathe that into reality in a way that Pretty like not that long ago, you needed absolute experts to be able to do that. So I think the future is going to, you know, be with the the imaginers and the sort of the creators because the implementation is getting easier. And I think AI, you know, only helps that even more. Yeah. I think it's right now in the near future, I think it's like more productivity and more like access to data information. I think, you know, we'll talk about robotics and how how we're all going to get like our own personal assistant, maybe in like that movie, I robot. Maybe we'll talk about that in a couple of years, see where that's going. But for now, for sure. Yeah. Productivity is, is the, is the name of the game. Uh, great. Well, this was a great conversation. Thank you so much. Last, last question I promise is how can our audiences get in touch with you or your organization? Yeah. So I be working at a fund called level equity and it's levelequity.com. I'm in the next level operations group because we want to be the next, uh, bring you to the next level. So rcary, C-A-R-E-Y at levelequity.com. You can send me an email if if you want to chat or if you are, if you're looking for capital, we are looking for great ideas and great teams that want to carry them out. Thank you so much for being here. All right. Thank you.